Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I am here. My name is Brandon Croucher, CEO of Delight Cafe. This is your Wednesday episode. It is the H, an honest conversation about health, hemp, and happiness. As many of you know, I'm very open about my mental health and wanting to have conversations about it so we can expand, break stereotypes, and really bring out the best in one another. I'm honored to have our I have author and motivational like expert his name is Brian Sachetta if I said that wrong I'm gonna laugh because I wrote myself a cheat you know, cheat sheet uh, but this episode we're gonna be able to talk to the author of get out of your head he, he wrote the book it's a collection of personal development works focused on helping readers overcome various forms of mental illness the first entry in that series is of get out of your heads a toolkit for living and overcoming anxiety gee i wonder if i've ever had anxiety you know test anxiety any of that either way ladies and gentlemen please do me a favor say hello give us a give him some love and appreciation and welcome him mr brian cicada see i'm doing it again cicada to the delight cafe how you doing tonight brian hey brandon i'm doing well how are you I am wonderful. It is good to have you. You got Fernando here. We got Jessica. There's others still coming in. We always have a few trickle in after we get started and all that. But let's talk, Brian. You are the author of Get Out of Your Head. How did you get out of your head? It takes a lot of different strategies and practices and time, right? I mean, yeah. there's so much to unpack in a question like that, there's so many different routes that we could take. I would say if I talk about like, what does it mean to get out of your head? How did I stumble upon that idea or the book or the brand or whatever it is, right? It was, it was kind of this culmination of like, for years and years dealing with anxiety and depression in my own life, learning different strategies, reading different books and eBooks and, you know, kind of like those white papers and stuff like that. Things that like, you know, if I'm going back in time, right, this is 2008. So the internet is not quite what it was, what it is today. And the content that's out there, like, you know, Amazon is not as competitive at the time. It isn't the be all end all of bookstores. So it's like you go on there. And if you even had a book on anxiety, right, self publishing wasn't quite a thing. So it was like, maybe there's one book out there and you read it, right. And so in 2008, I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with my own anxieties, things that are going on in my life. And so I'm reading all this information, synthesizing. And as time goes along, I say to myself, like, you know, some of this information works for me. Some of this information doesn't work for me. And I would go through different, I don't know what I would call anxious situations in my life where it's I'm preparing for a job interview or a first date or going skydiving or something like that. And I kept coming up to anxiety all the time, right? And it wasn't just like, hey, I'm anxious and I'm a, I have this thing in five minutes. It's like, oh, I have this thing that's in two months and I'm anxious about it, right? And I think a lot of people can relate to something like that in the sense that the more time you have leading up to an event that makes you nervous, the worse it can be because you have, you can go all the way inside of your mind, right? Yes. So if, oh if my we, gosh. <laughs> if we fast forward over that period of time, right, let's say up to 2017, you know, when, when I had begun this journey, I said to myself, I'm kind of one of those people that I'm like, okay, want to figure out what the problem is, want to figure out some solutions. And then once I have those solutions, like share them with other people or whatever that may be. Right. So along the way, I kind of, you know, when I, when I first was on this journey, I was like, yeah, I'm going to write a book and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a blog or whatever. Right. And you lose sight of that sometimes because there's twists and turns on the journey. So 
over the course of time, I kept coming back to it, right? And eventually I had enough strategies at my disposal where like I would just, you know, be living my life and I'd have an experience and I would go into my iPhone and I would write a note and say like, this is something that worked for me today. This is something that definitely doesn't work for me, right? And so eventually over time, I looked at all of those notes. There was, I don't even know how many pages worth. Like I dumped them all into a Google doc at one point and it was like 20 pages. So I'm like, okay, here we have, we have, the backbone of a book or the the content that could fill a book, I just got to figure out how to organize it, make sense of it. So eventually I did that, wrote the first book. I started writing that in 2017, finished that and published it in 2018. And, you know, since then have been blogging, doing podcasting. I am working on a second book, going to keep the details of that a little bit, you know, close to the vest, but that one is on depression, whereas the first one was on anxiety. So that's kind of where we are today. So I'm going to go right off the bat. What is the difference between depression and anxiety? Yeah. So to, I guess if I can be as clear as possible or as like succinct as possible, right? Like anxiety is fear and it is future looking fear, right? So the, the analogy that I give is like fear is, and, and even though we don't really necessarily, um, Sorry, I was just looking at the comments. For a second. So, and the ADD, I was like, I'm going to distract him and I don't want yeah. to. I'm sorry I'm, about that. I'm going to do, do my best not to uh, not to look too hard. But so uh, the anxiety, uh, excuse me, the example that I give of anxiety, right, is like is fear and uh, future looking fear. So in the book, I, I say anxiety is fear. And for all intents and purposes, like we can basically use that definition, right? If we want to be semantic, people will say anxiety is not fear. But if you think about it, right, it's like, okay, I have a job interview coming up next week and I am fearful of it, right? Of some outcome that would be something that I don't desire. Either I embarrass myself, I get laughed out of the room, I don't get a job offer, whatever it is, right? So it's, it is fear, but it is in the future. And so, um, you know, when it comes to anxiety, there's all different sorts of ways that uh, our symptoms manifest out of that fear, right? So it may be, it may start with, I have some event that I'm approaching. I'm worried about the outcome. And then from there, it's like, I think my, myself into dark patterns and thoughts, crevices of my mind. You may have physical symptoms where uh, you can't sleep. You have your heart racing or heart palpitations. Your, your palms might get sweaty in a specific situation. You may lose appetite, things like that, right? So that in a nutshell, that is anxiety. It's basically like, and, and again, it's like, it, it manifests differently for everyone. So I try, I try to give these succinct definitions or high level definitions, but I do want to be cognizant of the fact that like everybody experiences it a little bit differently. What I'm, what I'm getting at when I say that is like, for me, I would say my anxiety is mostly like moments on the calendar, right? Specific things that are in the future that have a, almost like a deadline or a, a, uh, again, so like something on the calendar associated with them for other folks that that might not be the case, right? They may be afraid of getting in their car and driving on the highway on a regular basis. They may be uh, anxious about things that are kind of distant off in the future, right? Maybe it's like, oh, I'm, I'm anxious. Will I ever find the right person for me or something like that? Something that's less, uh, it has a less defined timeline, but it, but it might be still like a specific thing that they could point to, right? Um, so then when we talk about depression, depression, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good that you asked me that because I have some of these ideas fresh in my mind uh, as I'm writing about them. Depression is essentially, there, there's, there's a bunch of, again, there's a bunch of different manifestations of depression, right? So we look at like uh, seasonal affective disorder. That's like a short-term depression where it's like, you know, we feel helpless or hopeless for three months of, uh, of the year, maybe during the winter. It, again, it, def- it affects people differently. You might have postpartum depression where, you know, after you um, ha- have a baby, 
the 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 fact that that person is no longer with you, you know, you have this intimate bond, and now it's kind of gone, even though the the person, you know, the baby's still in your life. But um, it's 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 something that I mean, I, it's obviously harder for us to describe and relate to because we're not having babies. But um, that is a specific kind. And so if we if we jump back to the high level definition of depression, it's essentially like an affliction of helplessness and hopelessness, right? So it's like this mindset. Um, and sometimes it's short, sometimes it's much longer, where we just don't feel as though what we want to happen in our lives can happen. Uh, we don't feel as though maybe like life is worth living. Um, dark, dark thoughts, dark feelings, uh, all centered around these ideas of, you know, feeling helpless, feeling hopeless, not feeling as though we can change our situations, or not feeling as though changing them would do us any good. So right. So I'm going to actually go back a step. You mentioned having like a different type of mindset and how it, um, how do you, when you start going down a negative mind and you see it run that way, how do you stop yourself from actually going to an anxiety or a depression of something? Because it's easy for us to be distracted by everybody else around us and what they think and everything, but that depression and anxiety we put in our own head to keep it going. How do you stop Brian from letting you run down that, that cycle? Yeah. And I mean, it's a great question. It's, it's one that's a little bit hard to answer. I definitely want to give concrete answers, but just to give you like, when I say it's a difficult answer, right? Like I wrote an entire book about that one question, right? It's like, okay, we have things that um, are going on in our minds, things that we're fearful about. Here are all the all the different ways that I know that work for me to stop those patterns of thinking, right? And so one of the things that I say in the book, it's like if you take nothing else away from this, and even though it's really difficult to do so, if you can stop yourself from looping over those fears that you have, anxiety will be very hard. Uh, it'll be very hard for anxiety to get to us, if that makes sense. And so there's all sorts of distraction methods that we can use. There's all sorts of different, I don't know, um, physical tactics that we can use. I mean, so just to cover a couple really quickly, right? It's like we could use some sort of a mantra, right? So we realize in one of the tough things and is that when it comes to getting in, in your head, that the hardest thing is, is the awareness piece, right? Yeah. So you get in your head subconsciously most of the time, or at the very least, like maybe you have a conscious thought and from there, your subconscious mind takes it and drives you into oblivion, right? It's like, you know, okay, somebody told me something that I should worry about and I, I don't even feel as though I was consciously contributing to the process, but here I am 15 minutes later and I feel absolutely horrible and I'm thinking about all these crazy thoughts, right? So right. If, if, if we're talking about a specific strategy, so when it comes to mantras, right? Like a mantra is a short, powerful or emotional phrase um, that we can repeat to ourselves at any point in time, right? So um, mantras, I think, you know, sometimes they have this like rap of like new age or like woo woo or whatever it is, maybe like a, a yogi kind of crowd, um, but you can use them however you want. What I like to do is um, create just short ones that allow me to basically make that shift from the subconscious fear where like these thought patterns are just like taking control of my mind and being able to just redirect uh, my focus very quickly, right? So one that I talk about a lot is like, uh, I'm, I'm sure some listeners will be familiar with Tony Robbins. So he's, you know, a big personal development guru. And one of his mantras is like, if you get in your head, you're dead. And one of the reasons that I use that one is like, I mean, get out of your head, right? It's, it's, it's very much in line with that. And so if you think about like, okay, I'm sitting on the couch, I'm, I've been thinking about all these things that scare me for a long time. It, you know, one, one of the premises, if I jump back for a second, one of the premises yeah. of the book is like, 
you can't solve fear. You can't think through it. It's 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 basically impossible, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, if you if you look at like one of the quotes that Einstein is um, he's credited with, it's basically like you can't solve a problem on the same level of consciousness that created it. And so it's you know when I think about that, it's like okay, if I am fearful. Uh, fearful thoughts are not going to end that cycle, right? I need to do a 180 degree shift and get somewhere else. And so when we bring mantras into the, into the equation, we're basically, okay, we're fearful, we're fearful, we're fearful. We're running these subconscious patterns, whatever it may be. We take our mantra, we stand up, we say, if you get in your head, you're dead. If you get in your head, you're dead, right? And you're trying to basically move from your head back to your body, this physical shift where you're putting energy inside of you that allows you to break that subconscious pattern really quickly. And it's a little aggressive. It's a little like, I don't know, uh, not absurd, but it, uh, again, it, it is aggressive. And that's the whole point, right? Is you need something to, to wake you up, to snap you out of that. Otherwise those patterns run for a long time. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Like that's almost like you're saying like the slap, like I picture like a slap in the movie, like you got to do that to yourself. Um, with that being said, I, I one of the things I had fun writing down here is you said skydiving and then a date. And hi, Donna. There's one of my regulars. I haven't seen her in a while. Sorry. I, just, I hope you're having a great day, too. Thank you for stopping by. But you mentioned skydiving, then a date. Which one seems to be harder for you? And how often do you skydive? Because I was intrigued by that one. Yeah, I don't skydive a lot. What I will say is there's some stories in the book where I had planned a skydive and I was just for like, I don't even remember how long I, I have the details in the book at this point. I, you know, I'm kind of getting the two instances put together in my mind where, um, you know, I, I can't remember exactly which one was which I just remember that there was a good amount of fear associated with both. Right. So, uh, the first one, it was like, I don't know, let's say there was a week or two weeks leading up to it. And I was just like, you know, I booked it and I was excited. And then shortly thereafter, somebody was like, Hey, what if you die? And I was like, oh, no, like I could just feel it. Like I just went right into the abyss. You know what I mean? It was like, yes. I'm not coming back from this one. And so for days and days, I was just, you know, I was like, I have to do this. Like I have to skydive. I want to skydive. But now I can't stop thinking about, you know, could I get seriously injured or die out there? And I'm I'm putting myself in the situation, right? I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on the plane. I'm thinking about this. I'm not nervous. I'm on the edge of the plane. I'm going to do it. Like, we're going to jump. We're going to be okay. We're going to be safe. We're going to land on the ground. And that's one of the, so like all of what I just did there, right? Is like this visualization tactic that a lot of people, um, you know, it, it works for some people, especially I think when it, when it doesn't come to anxiety, when it's just like, hey, I have this thing that I want to accomplish and I'm seeing myself accomplish it. I think that can work pretty well for a lot of people. I think the yeah. issue is when it comes to anxiety, we have this thing that we want and we have our fear and they are just completely intertwined. And so when you go into these vis- visualization sessions, you can't extract one from another. And what happens is you that becomes its own cyclical pattern, right? This it's its own mental um, loop of fear. And so that's what I was doing. I was going down into these visualizations, telling myself like, hey, if I just see myself on the edge of the plane, if I just see myself in the in the air with the parachute or whatever, I'll be fine. And what I realized was that made it so much worse. And the funny thing about the first skydive was, you know, I, I was like, I was so darn nervous, like, like I was beyond nervous, but I was like, I'm going to do it. And I went to sleep the night before and I wake up and I was like, oh my goodness, like I, I, you know, I could die. Like my, you know, my parents might get the phone call, whatever. And I mean, you know, obviously like people, a lot of people do sky 
do skydive very frequently and they live. And so it's like, you know, it's just one of those things that you blow out of proportion in your mind. I mean, it is a scary thing, obviously. And so I wake up, you know, I'm like, I got like an hour to go before I actually have to go to this skydive. And so I look at my phone, I have a text message and it's like, your skydive has been canceled due to cloud coverage. And like, it was like the last day of the season. Right. And so obviously we put ourselves through fear for a reason. Like there are, there are, we have skydive appointments, right? There's, it's not like we're doing it for nothing. But on the other side of that, it kind of felt like, man, it didn't even happen, you know? And I put yeah. myself through all of that and it could have happened. It sure could have, but to have it not happen, it was like, man, that was that was such a waste, you know? Like the last 10 days or whatever it was, I just felt so awful. And right. so to get back to your, well, second second skydive, I had learned, right? I had learned a bunch of these strategies. I had learned what was what to do, what not to do. And even though I was afraid, I didn't go into those mental patterns. I was like, I'm staying out of my head. Whatever happens, happens. This is something I've wanted to do. I recruited one of my best friends. Let's get on the plane. Let's do it. And it was funny because it was like, you know, I had all these visualizations the first time around where it was like, I'm so nervous. I'm picturing myself on the plane, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just freaking out. And I got to the, the the second appointment, which was years later. And I remember, I, I, this is all documented in the book, but I talked to my instructor and I was like, dude, like, I am so nervous. Like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, dude, you're nervous. I do this like 50 times a day. And I was just like, okay, I'm good. Like, we're, 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 we're good, you know? So oh it, was, it was just that's, funny to, to get that perspective, right? Right. Yeah. Like you hit a total different perspective. It changed all your energy. That's awesome. Now I do want to hit something. Jessica Dugas makes or the breakthrough show makes a great question here. Do yourself, do you see yourself completely overcoming anxiety or do you believe it is something you'll have to be mindful of for your whole life? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, as we were talking about in, in the pre-interview, right? It was like looking at my website, it's a, a no BS approach to, to mental health. I am not like I do. I, I just can't be inauthentic when it comes to this stuff. Um, but I will say there's like there's a seesaw of like, you know, you or, or like a fine balance between like, you know, fabricating and saying like, you're never going to have to worry about this stuff again. You'll overcome it all the way. Right. Like that's on one end of the spectrum. And that doesn't totally make sense. The other end of the spectrum is like you're going to have to think about it all the time and it's going to be brutal. Right. Uh, in reality, the, 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 the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You, you learn a bunch of strategies, you figure out what works for you, you apply those on a regular basis. And I mean, unfortunately, like the unfortunate reality, right, is that our minds are scary places. And until we tame them or do a better job of taming them, we're going to keep going back into those really dark crevices, uh, whether that's anxiety, whether that's, that's depression, um, that that will happen. Um, but you can we can make a lot of progress and we can, um, you know, we can do a lot better with our fears our doubts, our worries, all, all those sorts of things. And so I guess to answer the question, question succinctly, I think one, you can make a lot of strides, but this is like, you know, we are humans, we are fallible, the, uh, especially if you're dealing with mental illness, like these are things that are inevitably like nothing, ever, like it's never going to just be erased entirely from your life, right? From It could be like time to time it pops up. It could be it's still like, it's still with you. You see it differently. You don't necessarily get as worried about it because you have these new outlooks on it, these new strategies that you can apply. Um, but I think the important thing to remember is to like have that perspective of like, I'm learning these different lessons and strategies that are going to help me, you know, going back to the title of the book, live with and overcome anxiety, but not necessarily erase it. If that, if that makes sense. 
A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you're saying it really well. So I want to hit a point where you went and you made the thing about appointments. And I, I connect with it connected with this a lot was I'll have something scheduled and then just anxiety. If, it, if all of a sudden it gets moved up an hour or something like that, it gets changed. My anxiety gets triggered. And then there's times I cancel it just because I overthink it in my head. And we've all done that. What is something you've learned to do for yourself or a tip that you could give us that helps with you not getting worried about missing appointments, not being worried about that little change, just like you were talking about with the airplane, with diving out the airplane? Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's almost like there's two questions there. One is sort of like, how do you deal with events that are off in the future that you're worried about? The Correct. other is when those events change, how do you how do you deal with that? And so I, I think I kind of want to take, even though it's, even though I posed it, I kind of want to take the first one first, which is like, <laughs> you know, it's a week from now and you have this appointment or event. Like, how do you deal with that? Um, right. I can't, again, going back to the no BS approach, it's like, I cannot sit here and say, oh yeah, like it's going to be great and amazing. And like, you know, there's no, there's nothing to be worried about or whatever. Right. It's like, in reality, there are things that we're worried about that we're fearful of. And because of that, we jump into our minds. I think the best thing that we can do, um, there's all sorts of different approaches in the book, but I think one of the things that I've learned at least, um, you know, in the last couple of years is, or I don't know, last handful of years is like to really figure out a way to be present in what we're doing. And I know that's kind of like, it's pretty vague, but like in terms of, um, so what it's like the fear the fear that we have about that event in the future manifests when we think about it, right? Uh, everybody has had that experience where like, okay, I got this thing going on a week from now and I'm really worried about it. But then, you know, five days ahead of the event, even though we've been in our heads all like all week or whatever, we go, I don't know, to the batting cages with our friends or we do, we, we have some fun activity that like pops up out of nowhere. And like two hours later, we're like, oh my God, that was so much fun. And I didn't even think of like for a minute, I've totally forgot about what it was that I was worried about, you know, five days from now. And so I think an important thing to do, and, and again, this is vague. This is like hard to really um, give you a concrete like plan of like, do this every hour of the day. Right. But yeah, number one, like um, it's important to uh, whatever it is that you're doing on a daily basis. If it's like hobbies, your job, something like that, it should be something that engages you um, and allows you to like really focus and get that flow state where you're able to put down some of your fears, right? I think one of the things that I found for me was like in college, even though I, you know, I still, even after writing the book, it's like, I still get anxious from time to time. One of the things that I found was like in college, it was like, you had almost nothing to do, right? It was like, you went to college, you went to class for like 10 hours a week. Other than that, it was like, socialize, go to parties, whatever. And so if you had something on your mind, there was almost nothing to distract you from it. Or there was, there's very little because your, your whole day was wide open. Right. And it was like, if you didn't go do something with your friends or go to the gym or whatever, it was like, you could just sit in your dorm room and like ruminate for six hours. Right. So what I find helpful nowadays is like, I have a job and I, you know, do my writing on the side. I do podcasting, things like that. So when I have something that's coming up, uh, however many days from now or whatever, it's like, I know that I can sink into the moment in front of me because, uh, you know, as a software developer, it's like I enjoy writing code and figuring out problems and sitting down and like really throwing my mind into it. Uh, at the same time, it's like I know that I can sit down, uh, write a blog post, be really engaged, like almost to the point where if somebody calls me, I'm like, you know, <laughs> why? Like, why did you disrupt me? You know what I mean? Like I, had the, you know, I was in the zone. Um, so that that's kind of the answer to the, the first the first one. I think the second one. 
Um, I, I think that I think the questions again, I think they're related, right? It's almost like, okay, the thing moves. Um, if we can distract ourselves from the reaction to it and just keep keep chugging along, uh, it's the same event one way or another, even though, you know, we may say we weren't ready for it to be an hour sooner or an hour later or whatever it was. It's almost like find ways to get out of our minds um, and distract ourselves from the reactions we have, the triggers we have. Uh, easier said than done. And again, kind of vague, but like that is my overall outlook on the question. No, it's a good answer. I appreciate it. Uh, I was on your website and this one caught my attention. This part of your, this part, it's coronaphobia, uh, making sense of COVID fears uh, once more. So with that being said, we have a lot of things happening in our, through the news to around the world right now. And Corona is being talked about again to the Delta variant and all that. How can people keep their anxiety in check? And how would you, like, I know everybody's different, but yep. like, there's got uh, there we can help each other by understanding like there is that anxiety. How could, would you recommend building up yourself so you are not giving too much to others with this anxiety? Yeah, definitely. I, I would say the distraction is is one big piece of it. So if you find yourself like constantly going into those thought patterns, right? Like saying, oh my God, I, I, I just sat on the couch and, and ruminated for two hours about like worst case scenarios with COVID. Obviously that is not going to lead us anywhere good. What my approach on the situation, right, is like there there are like the reason that we think about our fears and go into these these patterns in our mind is because our our brains are wired to keep us alive, right? And so there are certain things that make sense to strategize and plan around in terms of our fears, right? It's like if I think that maybe I was at in a life or dis, uh, I was putting myself at risk by going to a specific situation or event or whatever, I may say, you know what, I need to sit down. I need to think about this one. And maybe I'm going to decide that I'm not going to go. But when it comes to COVID, it's like, yes, there are obviously elements of it that are life and death or could be life and death, right? Like in theory, um, somebody could get it, get sick, have a bad outcome. The difference between, let, let's say like, you know, going hiking or going camping and being like, oh, you know, I might I might run into a bear and that that could be really scary. That could kill me, whatever. And COVID is the fact that like we we know we, we've been with COVID for so, so long. Um, and we know that actually thinking about the problem is not going to get us anywhere good or anywhere better than we've gotten in the last 18 months. Right. And so one of the like there are all sorts of distraction methods that we can employ. So one of the things that I yeah, talked about in uh, I've written a bunch of different blog pieces about COVID. One of the things that I uh, I had written early on was like, okay, you know, it's it, this was like March of 2020. It was like, it's so difficult to stay out of our heads when we're locked in our houses, which isn't quite the case anymore, but still like the same concept applies of like, maybe we don't want to go to all the same venues that we were going to before, right? Maybe we're not socializing as much. And that makes it easier uh, for us to be isolated. And when we're isolated, we're alone with our thoughts. And I think we all know where that by default tends to go, right? So it's like, number one, if you're in your house, like, you know, if, if the gym is still closed, if you're somebody who goes to the gym, like for me, um, I don't even, I, 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 at this point, I barely go to the gym for like the physical aspect of it. I go for the mental aspect, right? It's like, I can get out of my head with that. I can push myself. I can get myself away from fears. And so it's like in the middle of COVID, if you can't go to the gym and you want to, or your gym is closed or whatever it is, we can do at-home workouts, right? Like it's not going to be sexy. It's not going to be fun, but like we can do yoga. We can do push-ups, We can do wall sits. We can do body weight exercises. Uh, my apartment is kind of tall. Like I run up and down the stairs like a madman. Like it's, you do what you have to do, right? 
Um, and so I, it, that's kind of one thing. The other thing that I tell folks these days is like, it, when it comes to the like, let's, you know, let's not think about COVID so much anymore because it's not going to get us anywhere good. We have to think about like, when we're like, when we're in our houses and even when we're out, uh, if we go to the office or whatever it may be, right? Nowadays with our devices, we are like constantly inundated by media. And so it could be Twitter, it could be Facebook, it could be an actual news channel. The problem is like, we are, we are surrounded by messages of fear all day long. And I'm not saying that like, it's not, I'm not saying that like a news organization shouldn't tweet and say like, hey, you know, caseload was this yesterday. Like that's something that somebody wants to know that the public should be informed of. I'm just saying that when it comes to anxiety, like it's not going to do us any good to think about those things. So like for me, I do not watch the news at all. Um, I, I That's just always been kind of my MO. Like it's, I just don't think it's a positive thing for my mind. Uh, I also try to be careful with like who I'm following on Twitter. If they re if somebody retweets people constantly about like, you know, um, something related to the virus or you know, subjects that I just know aren't good for my mind, I might unfollow that person. I might unfollow their retweets. Uh, you got to be careful, right? Like this is, this is your mind and this is your mental health. And so like, even though it sounds like, okay, maybe I'm being a little bit radical or over the top, right? It's like, you have to be. Otherwise, the next thing you know, you open Twitter, you see a tweet that triggers you and you go back into your head for an hour and you're like, oh my God, like, how did I get here, right? So I think it's just really important to be disciplined with the content that you consume on a daily basis. And again, just like setting ways for yourself to get out of your head, to get distracted from some of those fears. I, not obviously, again, not the sexiest or like, not maybe not the exact answers that we want to hear, but when you break it down, it's like, that's what works for us, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I told you before we went on, we are going to talk about reading a little bit. Uh, tell me, what is a style of reading you like, a genre of reading you like, and what are you reading right now? It's a good question. I, I do read a lot. I listen to books on Audible a ton. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm reading right now, to be honest. A lot of different things in the... In the uh, <laughs> in the holster. I will say oh. books that I enjoy, things that like make me think, but in a good way, right? Like it may be, um, maybe a book about like, you know, if I'm trying to figure out like the marketing side of my brand or something, I like listening to those sorts of books where I can like, there's a message that I can follow, somebody that I can listen to a, who's done the sort of thing before. You know, in my own space, there are different authors that like every, is, you know, you model your game after somebody, right? And so we were talking about like somebody that I've always enjoyed um following is like uh we, we were talking about mark manson and so um you know excuse me i'm just gonna shut off slack here um so you know super popular book but I, that i think most people can relate to at this point because it's sold so many copies was the subtle art we'll call it that uh the orange book and i just thought that was great like you know in terms of answering the question of like what style books do i like to read right i i love honesty i i the books that are like fluffy and whatnot, like just, I just, just not for me, right? I, I want to cut the cut to the chase, maybe be, I don't know, a little bit over the top, not always necessary, but like I, I enjoy, I just love candor, right? Like somebody who, I don't know if brutally honest is the right word, but like somebody who just gives it to you straight. Like I love that sort of thing. I obviously read a lot in the mental health space because that's sort of the genre that I play in, um, but I'm all over the map. I mean, I, I read a lot about health and fitness, finance, so, uh, you know, to answer the question of, again, of like what I'm reading right now, just so all over the map, I usually do like two or three audiobooks a week um, that I just, I don't know, week to week, I, I kind of forget. I could, to be honest, let me see, I could, 
I could uh, could probably find out for you right now. <laughs> Let me I, see. You're good. I appreciate that. I'm curious just because I I do audiobooks. I do I do read. Uh, I try to. Have you done journaling at all for your mental health? I'm just curious. Yeah, I used to journal more. It's kind of just one of those things where, like, because I'm writing all the time, that yeah. is like a sort of a. It's not the same as a journal, but I feel like I'm working through emotions and like thinking through ideas. So I feel as though I, I still would like to journal more, but I don't know. You as, as you get older, you specialize in things. You figure out where am I best served putting my time. So. Yeah, I, get I guess that. it's just fallen, fallen by the wayside a little bit. No, I 100% get that. But you don't look like, all right, so I, I studied some mental health stuff in like men's mental health, just because it's both of us right here, right, there, right this second. It triggers in earlier usually in men, at, in the ages as late as 20 to even in the early 30s, it starts to show be more uh, prevalent. What made you get into wanting to talk about mental health, especially because we both know there's a lot of negative stereotypes in there. What made you decide to go, you know what? I'm going feet first. Let's go. Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I almost, I don't know if it's just like, I don't know if the right word is like idiocy or something. Right. But it's like, I, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I would jump into it because I'm passionate about it. And somebody might be like, Oh, like you're going to talk about that. Like, aren't you afraid to like, you know, talk about your feelings or like, talk about these different stories or whatever. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. You know, should I be right? So that was sort of, it was like, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, right? Like the mental health side of things like anxiety, depression, like that run, that has run so much of my life. Um, I, I've done a lot, lot better with it since I started really, you know, writing and, and putting out the books. And, and that was one of the reasons why I, st I started writing the books, right? It was like, I was like, wow, I made a ton of progress here. But, um, you know, especially in high school and college, it was like, there were days where I did not leave my mind whatsoever. And so that was one of the reasons for me wanting to get into it was just saying to myself, like, I don't know when it was, but at some point in my life, like, and who knows, it could change. But at some point in my life, I kind of said to myself, like, this is, you know, I don't want to be too like grandiose or whatever, but like, this is, this is like my mission, right? This is something yep. that like, I, this is what I'm here for. Um, you know, and, uh, if I'm going to learn these things, I got to give it back to people, uh, to, to, uh, I gotta, I don't know, share, share my strategies with the world. And it's one of those things that sometimes you get into it and maybe you don't even quite know why, but then the reasons unfold later on. So one of the things that keeps me going these days is like, folks will write to me, you know, on Facebook or, via email or whatever. And I, I'll get these messages and it's just like, Oh my God, like, Holy crap. I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to sound conceited or anything like that, but it was just like, somebody will write me and be like, that book literally changed my life. And I just like want to cry, you know? Yes. And that, you know what though, Brian, you wrote that for that. So tell me exactly like when you read those things and it gives you that, that feeling, do you feel that accomplishment in yourself of like, and I don't mean that as like an ego thing, like the, the pride of having it like what I did actually made a difference. And I'm very grateful I was able to do that. Like I look at it like that. That's why I'm trying to phrase it the right way. Yeah. I think it's two things. I think one is like just genuinely feeling like I helped someone. Right. Because it's like, yes. I mean, when you, when you boil it down, right. Like there are so many days along the journey where you just like, I don't know, in despair. Right. And you're like to be able to know what that feels like. And then to have somebody else in that same place and say, like, I was able to lift that person up a little bit, right? 
not not in an egoic way. It's like just from the standpoint of like I was able to make that person feel better. I was able to boost that person's spirits. Like I don't know. That's just the humanity aspect of it. That I don't know. It's just kind of for me. It's just kind of amazing. It's it's hard to put into words. The other one, if I'm being totally honest, right? Like I'm a self-published author. I'm an indie author. I'm not like you know. I'm not raking in like millions of dollars over here. Um, if I'm being totally honest, like the journey has had its ups and downs, um, and in the writing process, I've uh, I've been kicked off of platforms. I've had to fight my way to get back on them. Um, you know, other things that I don't necessarily want to talk about right now. Um, but when you when you get when you get a message like that from somebody, you're like, you know what? Some of this has been really hard, um, yeah. just in terms of like fighting to stay alive as an author, right? Um, and seeing those comments says to me like it is worth it. I am, you know, it, it, it validates all, all the difficult work and all the ups and downs and all the emotional struggles. So, um, I have to ask this then, how do you respond to your haters? Uh, like the people that come at you and like, why would you talk about mental health? Oh, you're going to kill your career. How do you respond to them? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that anybody has approached me like that if there are any haters, right? It's like in review sections, somebody will say like, oh, you know, this person is conceited, this person's arrogant, whatever it is. And I I don't like, I don't, ha I, I don't know. Like I, I would like to think I don't have that much of an ego, you know? Um, I see those comments and I kind of think to myself like, oh, that's, that's like too bad that I made you feel that way. That really wasn't the message, you know? Like I'd love to sit down with you and have a conversation. Uh, I was just trying to help folks. And, you know, everybody comes into this from a different, perspective or with a different perspective. And so maybe the way that I wrote something and how that person came into it, those two things lined up in the perfect way where that person says, you know, this, this person's full of themselves. This person is a jerk or whatever it is. And I, I don't even, again, I don't even have a reaction of like, uh, you know, I, I'm not defensive about it. It's like, oh man, that's, that's really too bad because I, you know, my goal or my intention was to help you. And obviously I, I, I messed up on that somehow. So uh, it's just kind of one of these like, you know, taking I'm a I'm, I don't know, I'm a big, big believer in like taking feedback and like learning from failure and whatnot. And so I'm not going to change everything I do based off one person's comments or something like that. Right. But there is a little bit there, there's always a shred of evidence of like or a shred of truth to what people are saying. Right. Like maybe if I talk to that person, they'd say, like, you said this specific thing and that rubbed me the wrong way. And then I could say to myself, oh. Uh, maybe I won't write something like that in the future because I didn't realize that that could be interpreted in, in a different fashion. Very well said. Very well said. What is the Medusa uh, on your website? I saw the Medusa and anxiety, uh, how our fears turn us to stone. Can, uh, can you elaborate on that for me? Yeah, that was a fun blog post that I did. So the blog is, it's its own kind of beast, its own kind of product where like, it's basically, you know, what what I'm thinking about, I turn into a post. And so, um, I, I mean, if I'm, I got to give a shout out here, actually. One of my favorite bands uh, wrote a, a song called Medusa. And it's this heavy metal song. I, I love it a lot. It's by Times of Grace, if anybody wants to listen to it. Um, that just really got me thinking about the, you know, I had done a, a previous post on Greek mythology before about Sisyphus and like pushing the boulder up the hill uh, in perpetuity, uh, you know, that that kind of story. And so... I'm listening to this song and I'm like, there is, I've always thought like, you know, Medusa and fear and anxiety, right? Because there's this idea of like, Medusa is so scary that when you look at her, she turns you to stone. And so like, that's, that's the, the, the Greek, um, the Greek myth. Right. And so the idea that I had was like, okay, so if we approach 
what I like to do a lot of times is say like, here's this idea over here. How Here's how it relates to anxiety. Here's what we can do about it. So I use the story of Medusa to basically say like, okay, so if you're thinking about something in the future that's that's worrying you, that's making you fearful, whatever it is, um, you are quote unquote looking into the eyes of Medusa, right? You are looking into the, the eyes of your fear. And then what happens is you get quote unquote turned to stone by the, the physical sensations in your body. So like you start going into a rumination cycle about like, hey, how's that skydive going to go next week? And you're quote unquote paralyzed with fear, right? It's like your heart starts racing. You can't focus on anything other than this thing. You Again, you go into these cycles in your mind. You feel so horrible. You have all these different, you know, uh, stress hormones and whatnot flooding through your through your body. And so again, trying to draw parallels between the two stories, it was like, the idea was if we look at Perseus, who is, you know, the Greek hero who slayed Medusa, his strategy was, okay, instead of going going in front of Medusa and looking her in the eyes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to like sneak around her, get closer to her. And then as I'm, as I'm approaching her, I'm going to use my shield to figure out where she is. And then instead of looking into her eyes directly, I'm going to use my shield as a mirror, which I, you know, that's a Greek um, in the Greek mythology, like in, in the story itself, like that is some sort of, I guess, if you don't look directly, right. If you look in a reflection, that doesn't count. Um, so, um, what he was able to do was size her up and say like, okay, I have my shield right here. I see her in the reflection, boom, take my, my sword out and just behead her from there. Right. Instead of being turned to stone in the process. And so what I was saying was when it comes to approaching things that scare us, we can do something similar. We can distract ourselves ahead of these events, get close to them, right? So it's like, again, we've got a skydive in a week. If we just continue to distract ourselves all week without thinking about them too much, we can get close enough to them where we can strike. Uh, you know, strike could mean a ton of different things. It could be uh, if it's skydiving, it's like we actually get on the plane and we jump out of it uh, and we do it successfully. If it's like an athletic competition, we stop thinking about our fears long enough that we're able to get to the starting line, uh, feel pretty good about, you know, how we're going to perform and then perform well. So that was the basic idea of that post. I had some fun with it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, I, I like being able to, the blog is a little bit more exploratory, right? It's like, I can, I can think about, I can elaborate upon some random idea because a post is a one-off thing. Whereas if I'm writing a book and then I throw like a Greek mythology idea into it, maybe it doesn't fit and it doesn't make sense. But um, yeah, I like to do that sort of stuff. I No, that's awesome. I like how you connected the two as well. Uh, this caught my eye on your website, Coaching Services. And what caught my eye is how you literally say we offer personalized coaching services to all our readers. It's not therapy. It's a weekly phone call with a tough, loving, good friend. One that tells you what you need to hear to help you with what you want. I'm looking through this. You have conversation, you have a tailored goals, weekly coaching results. Can you explain uh, to me what this is for everybody and why our viewers and listeners should reach out to you? Yeah. So, I mean, you can think of coaching basically what you just said, right? Like I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor. Um, so I am not qualified to, um, to diagnose or to treat. But what I can do is I can take the strategies that are in my book, in my writings and the things that I talk about, and I can help figure out which ones apply best to you or which ones work best for you. And, and it's a collaborative process, right? We can figure out which ones 
work the best for you and which ones resonate with you. And then we can take those, we can apply them to the things that are making you fearful. We can come back to them on a weekly basis and we can say, hey, how did I gave you some homework? How did you do with that one? Did you come up with a mantra? Whatever it was, right? It was basically what I, the way that I sort of describe it is like the book is, the book is a more general approach. It's it's like, hey, I've got all of these ideas in here. You have to take them and apply them to your own situation, right? Because I just can't write a book for every single person. When it comes to coaching, it's like, let's take that book and personalize it. Let's figure out which of the strategies you like the best, which ones you want to try to use, how do you use them in specific situations. So that's that's kind of the gist there. Very cool. Very cool. I, I have to be honest. I like how you connected that with people and the open vulnerability of that. Have When you people connect with you on that, I'm sure that it's a huge help and it probably opens up things for you in your mind as well. One question I have to ask is with the depression one, that's a very heavy topic for a lot of people. And that seems to be one that has triggers for a lot of people where you'll be at, where there'll be a little more resilient on what you're looking or restrictive on what you're saying, what you're looking to go for. With that being said, Depression is a very serious issue that a lot of young people are getting into and seeing results of at a younger age than ever. How do you plan to, and you don't, I don't need you to break in anything into the book. I know that's still secretive. How do you plan to help your, have your book help people that are suffering from depression? How do you see that being the best outcome? Yeah. It, another good question. So with this second book, the approach is definitely different. The tone is definitely different. I mean, I'm doing I'm doing the best I can, right? I it's one of those things where it's like, again, not a doctor, not a therapist. I can't know for sure that what I'm gonna write and what I'm gonna say is gonna resonate with people. I just know that like my philosophy on the writing, at least up until now and until it's something changes, is like I speak from my heart, I say what I want to say in a way that I think is professional. Uh, I say professional, like in a, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit not, not buttoned up, but like, it's, I'm not trying to offend folks, right? It's not like say what I want to say in the sense of like, speak my entire mind. It's more like speak from the heart, right? The, the ideas that are, that are in there, whether I want to talk about a difficult subject or something else, like I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Right. So I don't know if that approach is necessarily going to work a hundred percent. I won't, I won't really know until I put it out there. I've had some folks give me some feedback. Like obviously I work with an editor. Um, I've had some folks give me feedback on some of the different things that I talk about, but it's just so hard to know. Uh, I think that, like you said, everybody gets triggered by different things and it really is a heavy subject. I, you know, my approach going into it has been, and, and you'll get, if you, if you read the book when it comes out, I don't have a release date yet, but uh, eventually, uh, if you read the book when it comes out, I, I'm trying, like the, the idea is, is not like, Hey, here I am. And I've solved depression. And like, let me talk down to you. Right. It's, it's more, this is a difficult journey, like real difficult. We're putting that on the table really early. And here I am, like, I don't want to say holding your hand, but like, we are friends. We are in this journey together. We're going off on this ride. Please trust me a little bit. I'm going to do the best I can to support you knowing that it can be brutal at times. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think that's a really good thing. And have you noticed people are 
without the depression one because the book hasn't come out yet which by the way please when you do release it and or know the release date send me an email so i can share that for everybody Definitely. Uh, the, uh, absolutely this is a podcast that talks about mental health a lot we focus on that we have a veteran side on the show on our morning show that we talk to vets about mental health now men's mental health is something that a lot of men put in their background they put as something like the tough guy thing you don't talk about that how do you help break that stereotype because you and i are here talking about it and for you and i it seems to be one that we both enjoy and want to help people with how do you help keep that going for people yeah uh, another good question i think so I've, I've actually talked about this recently on a few different podcasts and i think the way that i approach it right is like the old school masculinity idea of like you don't talk about that you know you you man up you get through it whatever it is i i think you know, obviously whatever works for some folks works for folks. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, it doesn't work for anyone and nobody should use it. If it works for you, it works for you. Right. But I think that a lot of folks are finding that it doesn't. And the way that I look at it is like, if I'm talking about like, what does it mean to be a man? Right. To be a man. If, if you say like, and, and um, you know, since that's the, the subject, like, I'm not saying that women can't do this same thing, but if, since, since we're talking about this, it's like, to be masculine, to be, to embody those different traits, right? Like a man does not shy away from problems. That's what it comes down to, right? And so even though, you know, you have to have this balance of like, okay, I have this minor, like something not related to mental health. I have some minor thing going on in my life, in my life that like is an annoyance, right? You have to figure out what, what like tips the balance and uh, so much that it says like, I actually need to focus on this. I need to pay attention. I need to figure out how to move forward with it, right? Mental health is obviously one of those things. If you have depression or if you're experiencing depression, like there is no question that you need to, at the very least, like I'm not saying that you need to like dwell on it all the time. I'm saying you need to look yourself in the mirror and say like, this is something that I deal with. And one way or another, I have to figure out how to move forward. So that could be, you know, it, there's so many different ways that you could approach that, right? It's like you could schedule a doctor's appointment and, and have a conversation with somebody. You could go to a therapist. You could talk with a loved one starting that process, right? And so what I, what I, my, this new idea that I'm talking about on some of these podcasts is like, if you are continually saying like, I'm pushing that down, I'm not thinking about that. It, it, it almost shows that you're like afraid to deal with that issue, right? And, uh, and maybe I'm splitting hairs here. I don't know. But, but I would say that if that is the case, then that is not a masculine way of being right a masculine way of being it's not necessarily like i'm going to war with this thing and i'm going out there and i'm slaying it right it's it's more just like a steady head of like i know i deal with this i know it's difficult i'm not going to back away from it whatever it means i'm going to figure out how to deal with it and then i'm going to keep living my life right because I, I i have so much left to give i have so much left to do if i let this stay in the way and i push it down like i'm just going to keep treading water here mm-hmm wow that's a great analogy too, because you're, you, you're never going to get out of it with just treading it. Like phenomenal. So you've done, where are you located? I never asked that. And I, I usually ask that before we go on. Are you oh, in the United right. States? <laughs> yep. I'm in Boston. And then I have done a lot of winters in Florida. So I'm a, a something of a snowbird. <laughs> I like that though. Cause I, I'm actually going to try to be for, further South. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. So awesome. You know, we have our sports rivalries, but other than that, I think Boston's an amazing city. Um, with everything you're doing, Brian, and you're out there, how does Brian take care of himself? 
on a daily basis? Like what is self-love to Brian? Yeah, there's a lot of different things in there. I think one is like, I really do live the strategies in the books and blogs, right? And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I do is like, it's just an extension of my everyday life. And, you know, obviously it's like, if I'm trying to make a living, sometimes it's like it, I may get to the point where it's like, okay, I have to publish another book just because I need to put something out there to make more money or whatever. Right. It's like, I'm definitely not at that point. Um, I hope I don't have to get to that point, but you never know. Right. And I always think that the content that I want to put out, it's like, it's, it needs to be authentic one way or another. I think almost when I'm, when I'm, you know, if I'm being semantic there, it's like, if I got to that point, it would basically be like, okay, maybe I publish this new book and it's a little bit of a rehash of what I've said before. I'm not saying a ton of brand new things, but like I put it out there, we do these marketing campaigns. I get all new sorts of listeners and readers that I didn't reach before. You know, that there's a very big positive benefit to that. Um, but so, you know, going back to like, what, what do I do on a daily basis? I live the books, I live the strategies um, when it comes to like my regimen, right? Like I, I would almost say I'm like, un, I'm almost like unnecessarily disciplined at this point where like sometimes I take it I take it a little bit too far I don't know but like so I wake up right I go for a walk every morning or if I can't do it in the morning then I'll go I'll go for work a walk at lunchtime or after work um, I find that the walk helps me clear my head I might listen to an audiobook I might listen to music but you know getting that physical exercise getting that like getting the body moving is really important to me uh, I start the day every day with a smoothie rather than like a heavy breakfast I try to get some vegetables into it I try to get some fruit and some protein into it I'm not I'm not a nutritionist I'm not here to say what everybody should or shouldn't do based on their own bodies but I feel like that's what works for me and that's what helps me um, and then from there it's like throwing myself into empowering work that helps me you know feel, I know, meaningful work, things that help me stay present. So I am a full-time software developer. So the, the writing and the blogging and the podcasting is on the side, but like, you know, one of the things that I've found is like, I was, I've, I've been a software developer for the most part for the last 10 years. I did a little stint there where I was working in sales and, you know, I, I, the job wasn't bad, but the one thing that I found with like my own personality was like, it was very unpredictable and with anxious, anxious folks, right? Like we, we like a little bit more predictability. I think the other thing too was like, I, I didn't find when, when it came to that, like being able to predict things, I couldn't predict that. Like I would have meaningful work to do all the time. Right. It was like, I loved having conversations with clients, engineering solutions for them, maybe even working a contract all the way through the process and like getting it to close or whatever. But there's a lot of hours there where you're just, sending emails, making phone calls. And, you know, for lack of a better word, it's, it's grunt work. And so I found, at least for me, it was like that job was okay, but it wasn't great. And I found that like, you know, if I can find a steady supply of software development work where it's like, I'm constantly working, like building new features, bringing things to life, solving cool problems. That's, that's the kind of stuff that for me works well, where like I can sink into my computer, I can put some music on, be really present, get in a flow state. And that helps me with, uh, you know, the mental health stuff a lot more than a, a more unpredictable schedule. Um, I'd say the last component and none of these are rocket science, you know, but the last component is just like trying to put a little more emphasis on a social life, right? It's like, especially during COVID where there were a lot of times where we were locked in our houses and we didn't, a lot of things that we couldn't do. So, you know, I make a, I make a, I make it a point to call people more often I try to make plans with folks a little bit more often. Obviously, I'm trying to balance work and writing and social life and whatnot. But like, I, I know that the social aspect 
is very good for my mind. I know that isolation is not good for my mind. So I'm trying to just incorporate all those things and almost like create this schedule where like, I don't even have to think, right? It's just like, I go do all these things because I know they're going to make me feel good and empowered, but like also in a good way, right? It's, it's different than like eating a bag of potato chips and playing video games all day. Like nothing against that if, if that's what you want to do. Um, but like that, that's kind of the, the life I'm trying to build and things change, yeah. but for right now it's working. I, I, I like how you said that though. That's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what you want to do, like, so I have to say, Brian, I always ask at the end of every show, the last question I ask is, how do you want to leave your impact to change the world? Like, how do you see your future? And you're doing some amazing things and you're, you're putting a dent into humanity already, but how do you want to leave that when, when Brian's done with everything, how do you know you, you can call yourself a success? What's that going to be for Brian? You're hitting me with some good questions tonight. I would say, well, first <laughs> off, thank, thank you. I appreciate the compliments. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think there's this balance, right. Of like the long-term meaning of like, okay, my life has to be so important. I have to do all these crazy things. And then like the short-term meaning of like, I want to throw myself into tasks that I find engaging in um, just I'm, things I'm passionate about. Right. And I think it's important to balance those two things. That's not to say like, you can't have this aspiration of like, I'm going to take man to the moon or Mars or whatever it is. Like, yeah, some people do really, really well with those goals. For me, it's more like having some sort of high level goal of like connecting with people, helping people, making a difference in people's lives, and then zooming back down to the like, what do I need to do on a daily basis to feel as though I've accomplished that? So like, again, that's the writing that's sinking myself into putting out different, you know, like writing software, putting out different apps into the world that might be able to help people. It's I'm giving a vague answer, but I guess it's like, for me, I, I have found in the last few years that like so much of the meaning for me comes in those small moments, those everyday moments of like, I spent time with my niece and nephew, right? I spent time with my parents. I spent time with my friends and it's hard to really pinpoint and be like that. That was the meaning of my life or whatever it was. Right. But like that you need a healthy balance of those two things. I don't know. I'd say, I'm not really at the moment, I'm not putting the like, hey, I've made it or whatever on any one particular thing. It's build great relationships with people, enjoy my time here, help people as much as I can and give it hell, you know? I love that answer, honestly. Uh, Brian, ladies and gentlemen, please do me a favor. Don't do me a favor, do yourself a favor. Get out of your head. No bullshit approach to mental health. Uh, Brian, this is his website, check it out purchase your copy of get out of your head a toolkit for living and overcoming anxiety book two is not out yet but will be soon go connect with brian there is so many wealth of knowledge in his book the conversation is just breaking the skin of everything he's doing with this do yourself a favor click like share make the difference in the world Brian, is there anything you'd like to throw out there before we before we take off for the end of the show? Yeah, I, I, I end a lot of shows with this idea. Basically, just, you know, if you're listening and you're struggling, just know that you're not alone. There's a lot of folks out there that are dealing with the same things you're dealing with. Um, I, I hope that, you know, kind of breeds some solidarity in you, makes you feel as though, like, you know, you're part, you're connected. 
um, to a group of people or, or humanity at large or something like that. And uh, more importantly, like if, if you don't feel as though you can share your story with someone in your close circle, like please reach out to me. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. Doesn't necessarily have to be a long one or anything like that. Um, and I'm not, you know, busy guy. I might not always get back to you right away, but I promise I'll get back to you. So uh, you can reach me. I think the best place to do that would be on Instagram. Uh, send me a message at get out of your head books. It's uh, all one word. There's no spaces or hyphens or anything in there. Your heads, H-E-A-D-S? Nope. Get out of your head books. Got it. Boom. Guys, here it is. Instagram, get out of your head books. Uh, Brian, Thank you again. This is guys. Go give a like, a subscribe, a share. Hey, Brian, anytime you're welcome back to the delight cafe, man. Thank you for joining us tonight on the H and bringing an honest conversation about mental health, happiness. And we really didn't talk hemp, but we didn't need to. We had so many other things. So Brian, thank you so much guys. Go give him a follow. Have a wonderful one. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Thank you.